You're listening to the Hayek Program podcast. This podcast includes audio from lectures, interviews, and discussions from scholars and visitors of the F.A. Hayek Program for Advanced Study in Philosophy, Politics, and Economics at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. To learn more about the Hayek Program, visit hayek.mercatus.org. To learn about graduate student fellowship opportunities with the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, for students at Mason as well as at universities across the globe, please visit students.mercatus.org. Okay, I'm Pete Betke. I am the director of the F.A. Hayek Program for Advanced Study in Philosophy, Politics, and Economics at the Mercatus Center and a university professor of economics and philosophy at George Mason University. Today is November 19th, 2020, and I have a great privilege of speaking with my colleague today, Virgil Storr. And Virgil, thanks for this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane, a little bit, and uh, and uh, you know, as you know, the purpose of these conversations is to uh, discuss the 40-year anniversary of the Mercatus Center, uh, but in particular, in in our case, to really, uh, if we can, dig down into the lasting legacy of our teacher, uh, Don Lavoie, and his ideas. And so I wanted to start by asking you to discuss a little bit about your journey to Don's ideas, your first impressions, and the lasting legacy of his influence on, on you as a scholar, teacher, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So the journey to Don, Don and, and his ideas that begins, I guess, in my Appalachian College where I did my undergraduate work. It actually probably begins before I, before I set foot on Bullard College. And so I show up at Bullard College. Um, as a 19-year-old kid who, who would have said, I'm a Marxist. And so, and, I, and it wasn't just like a superficial sort of Marxist. It was like, uh, at least I had attempted to, I'm not sure I understood fully, but I had attempted to read a bunch of Marxist work, really influenced by like the German ideology and, and, and the you know, economic and philosophical manuscripts. And so like the early um style mock stuff but it attempted to read Das Kapital and and that as well so sort of really wanted to be an informed um Marxist and that's what I thought I was at least when I showed up um at Beloit and I and I I, I met Don in some sense in his ideas first through Emily Chamley Wright who was a professor at the time you know now a close friend but at the time a professor at um, Beloit College. Her first class at Beloit was my first class at Beloit, and so oh, that wow. was a. And so we met sort of in the in 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 that kind of space. That I showed up a year later, or a year uh, earlier, my my whole life might be very different. Um, and so I had a first for, uh, you know, a standard micro class, intro micro class, and that that was fine. And you know, you sort of, you know. It was, she was an excellent teacher and very clear, and I learned a lot about um, the economic way of thinking and, and that in class. But I didn't—I wasn't really challenged in, in, in sort of in, in sort of the, the way I saw the world and the way I made sense of the world. Uh, and then I get into her comparative economic systems class, um, and that class—it's not an overstatement to say that that class, that single class, changed my life that it put me on an entirely different trajectory than, than I would have been on otherwise. Um, it's also the class where Don actually came in as a guest speaker, and so that's a footnote there too. And so it's the first time I met him um, was, in, was, was towards the end of that class. But so Emily did, it, it was as if the class was made in some sense to change me yeah. in the way that she structured it. And so she begins the class and it's, it's, Marxism all the time, right? And so the first half of the class through the October break um, was all about Marxism. Um, and, we, and so we read, um, you know, some Marx, we read some, you know, some you know, folks interpreting Marx and, and, and so secondary sources on Marxism. And she taught the class um, as if she was a Marxist. And by midway through the midway through the class, I would have said, she is a fellow traveler. She's, you know, this, this figure that I can learn from. This is my way of getting more deeply grounded into 
sort of a Marxian approach to political economy. Again, that's that's what I would have thought in that class. But you know, the class sort of took on this characteristic of, you know, my fellow students occasionally being skeptical or raising points or concerns and Emily and I standing on one side defending Marx against those critiques and, and skepticism. And so I was sort of thrilled. And I, I didn't, I, I, I should have, and I didn't look ahead to the rest of the syllabus, <laughs> uh, take, the mid, you know, take the midterm exam, do extremely well in the midterm exam, the, you know, go for, to wait, come back and calculation debate, knowledge problem, Austrian critique. And so I left, you know, your work on why, you know, on, on you know, war communism and, 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 and why that was a, a real test of Marxism, but, but in fact failed horrendously. And so that was, uh, and so I went from being convinced that I found like my guru in Marxism to her sort of introducing these critiques that I then couldn't sort of dismiss because I couldn't say, well, she doesn't really understand Marxism. Right. Right. I was sort of set up where, where I was like, I had to take it seriously because she demonstrated that she was in fact a very charitable interpreter of, of, of Marxism. And so I, I read these critiques and by the end of the class, I was just depressed. Because I wasn't, I hadn't yet given up on, and, and you know, sort of, um, say, a, a Marxian critique of markets or capitalism or what have you. But I was convinced that the solution that Marx proposed wouldn't work, right? And so I was sort of stuck. I sort of had this, you know, worldview. Um, the worldview sort of articulated a challenge to the existing system. That challenge to the existing system, I still thought had you know, some value, but the solution that it proposed not only didn't work, was probably going to be disastrous and lead to the deaths of millions, you know, like, so the gulags and deaths of millions of people. So I was just depressed. Um, and so it actually, I, I left that class um, and, you know, sort of decided, okay, maybe this isn't what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, you know, and so I, 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 I doubled majored at the time in um, computer science, computer information systems. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go, you know, I knew I was going to grad school. I'll go to grad school in that. I'll become a, yeah. you know, professor, you know, computer information systems and what have you. And so that was sort of, you know, I, I'll finish my econ degree for sure, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't be where I would go. Um, and I, so I went to, uh, so I sort of did that. Right. And, you know, little did, little did you know, that's another connection. Yeah. And so, <laughs> right. No, it was completely. And so I, and so I you know, did that apply to graduate schools in, um, you know, computer information, you know, computer information systems, computer science, and like didn't get into my top choices, got into some decent schools, but sort of after having spent, you know, I love Bullock College, but I didn't like the Midwest as a place to live as an, you know, I'm from the Bahamas. So as a place to live from, you know, December to April, I didn't exactly like that. And so, although like I got into Iowa, Iowa was a great school for computer science. It wasn't, I sort of the, the prospect of spending time there wasn't um, exactly appealing. And so I got a, I got a, a ended up getting a job offer to, to come work in DC and doing consulting and so i jumped at that because it was like i didn't you know there's grad schools that i had and because i was working in, in in computing the stuff i was i'd spent the time outside of work what you know the time i had basically following up on the footnotes from that class right and so not just so reading the um you know if she had assigned a piece of mises socialism reading the rest of mises Socialism. Right. If she she assigned a couple of chapters from Individualism and Economic Order, reading the rest of of that, the you know sort of reading not just you know the rest of your your first book, but reading by then why Perestroika failed, and, and you know and so that that book, um, you know reading Don's stuff, um, and about a year into that 
job, about a year into that job, two things happened. I became convinced that I was, didn't want to be a computer scientist. Like I was working in the field and doing, I guess, well in the field, but I, I was convinced I didn't want to um, sort of do computer information systems or computer science. And I was convinced that I wanted to go to grad school to do economics at George Mason University to study with Donald Boyd. Right, like, and so that was, um, and, and so that was sort of how I, you know, um, sort of ended no. up here. Yeah. And, and I actually, it was the only economics program that I applied to, um, mm-hmm. that I'd applied to, you know, sociology, I guess, programs at other places, but it was the only economics program that I applied to. Um, and it's the, maybe the first thing in my life that I truly lobbied for. Like I showed up before the applications were due and, and met with Colleen Moretta and met with um, uh, Tyler Cowan and met with Dawn and like, I really want to come here and this is million, you know, this is, and so that was, that was sort of my path to. Yeah. I didn't know that that was your, that Emily was in her first term when you were in your first term at Beloit because that's serendipity related to you were at Mason in your first term, my first term at Mason as well. So it's kind of a strange kind of coincidence there. The other thing I was going to mention is that there is something weird about the people that gravitated towards Don. Um, In many ways, I'm kind of uh, not an outlier because uh, though my sympathies maybe never were as, as strong as anyone else, but my choice when I was deciding on going to graduate school was uh, one of my alternative choices that I went and visited was the new school because I wanted to go and study with Marxism so that I could study it so in depth that I'd be like the best critic of it, right? And so now the difference is, is that I went to a talk by Anwar Shek and it, he was working on Bambavrik's transformation, the Marxist transformation problem. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. And so I just made it in my head. I said, there's no way in hell I could survive, you know, graduate school with this guy because I have no idea what the hell he's saying. And since I don't understand it, it must be nonsense. (laughs) So I'm going to go off and do something else. You know, the funny thing is, is 25 years later, 30 years later, I actually saw him give a talk on the same subject. And I was sitting next to somebody and I said, you know, when I was like 22 years old, I saw him give this talk and I was deciding about going to graduate school and I decided that he didn't make any sense. So I decided not to go. So I'm really anxious to see what he says now because so much what I learned and about 10 minutes into it, I turned to the person, it's no different. (laughs) (laughs) So so anyway, uh, but uh, it's, you know, that's, but I mean, I, you know, if you talk to Emily, if you talk to Dave Perchicko or, you know, any of the people that really sort of gravitated towards Don, there is this kind of willingness to um, be, very serious about dealing with these alternative ideas and the importance of these ideas for the way we understand the world. And Don was great at forcing you to really read and be charitable and take on board a lot of the, the value system, I think of your opponent that, or not your opponent, but your, uh, the right word for Don would be intellectual interlocutor. Yeah, the person that's you're having a conversation with, yeah. And so, like the like, so he, so yeah, that was definitely that's one of a number of things that he taught. So he taught me, right? And so, like the whole the, you know, he was such a honest broker in dialogue. Yeah. Right. Like, and so you, and so that you know, not only did he sort of preach that as being important, but they so he lived that, like, as being a real honest broker in dialogue. That you, you know, a fair dialogical partner that was genuinely, when he asked the question, it was a genuine question. It wasn't a loaded question. It wasn't a set of questions. It wasn't a gotcha question. It was a, you know, here's a question. I have this question about your, 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 you know, what you're saying, what you're thinking, what you, what you believe. And so that, that was certainly one of them. There's the, the second, sort of when I sort of think about the things that he taught me, the second thing is a kind of, um, this is a, this is a, a, a and Hayekian, you know, argued, you know, Hayek had made the same point, but it's just sort of, you had to be more than just an economist. 
Yeah. That it wasn't enough to be just an economist narrowly defined, that you had to read widely. Uh, and that we had, you know, that he was famous for these, these um, readings groups. And, you know, I'm an yeah, economics PhD at the time, and I'm doing readings groups in Gautamer uh, with him, but not just him, but, you know, students in, and faculty in cultural okay. studies and philosophy yeah. and, and whatever else stuff on like Hannah Arendt, you know, the, um, and he's encouraging in our like conversations um, to, you know, be talking about literature and to be talking about, you know, and seriously, you not just like lit studies, not just, you know, and, and that, and so he was, and so that was, that was sort of like another value, right? So, you know, be an honest, broken dialogue, be more than just an economist. Um, don't take shortcuts was another one. The ideas were too important to take um, shortcuts, and so you and so you couldn't. Um, and 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 that you should, you know, sort of take on again this sort of like take on the, the 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 standards, the values, the what have you of the people that you're you're talking to. And so if you're going to be doing you know, if you look at my CV now, it's kind of, it would be hard, you know, like, I think it's clear I'm an economist, but you could position me in a bunch of different fields because yeah. there's like publications in a bunch of different, and that was, that's a dawn sort of thing, yeah. right? That you, that you, you're writing sociology, you should be writing for, you should meet the standards of sociology, like what are you yeah. doing? Um, yeah. And then, and so, and then the other thing, that I guess sort of two more things, that, that one is, he was so generous with his, like this, this one I fail on all the time, but he was so generous with his time, right? And, and like teaching and he sort of really took seriously the role of being a teacher and being a mentor. And for his students, he was, you know, amazingly generous that he, um, when I was in graduate school, we met, I was assigned him as, I got assigned him as a, as a, as a research assistant. My assignments for him as a research assistant. You know, he occasionally would have me get something from a library or something like that. But most of it was, let's talk about economics. Yeah. And he, you know, he would, you, you, you hosted the PPE um, workshop on the, fri on the Fridays. Um, and we would, the lunch, he would take me to lunch every Friday before the, the, the thing. And, and the lunches started happening at 12 and then we had to like start them at 11 because the conversations <laughs> that we had were like going longer like we'd sort of be late to the seminar um and so you know we'd go to lunch and we would talk economics and the conversation would end and and he would say well what do you want to talk about next week or he'd say hey you know has this this interesting paper book article whatever that, that let's talk about that and we would talk sort of nonsense so he did that was general but he also read every paper I wrote in graduate school yeah. for like every course, like not just the courses he taught me, but for like every mm -hmm. course. Yeah. And, and he gave me like, calm. I've been used, it turns out I'd gotten acculturated to his style of commenting from Emily. Yeah. Emily was kinder in the sense that Emily's, you know, like, that she'd give you back papers and they would be bleeding um, they would look like they'd been like stabbed and they were bleeding because <laughs> there were so many comments all over it. She'd write in like aqua and purple though. And so it felt more gentle. Yeah. So I would write in red. <laughs> yeah. so it felt more harsh and, and like, and like, you're yeah. like more, it was more bracing, but, um, you know, that kind of generosity to like, yeah, as yeah. a graduate student, I'm going to read, you know, the paper that he's writing in micro two that it, you know, and give him comments on it and give him substantive comments on it is, you know, and so that was, just, and then the final one was just, you know, liberty is really important. Yeah. <laughs> like liberty is like, a, is a, is a, the, 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 um, freedom is extremely important and it's worth, like, it's worth arguing for, it's worth, justifying it's worth fighting for it's worth championing it's it's like a really important um thing because you can't have 
it's impossible if you care about human beings you 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 can't this we've not yet come up with a a, a you know a, a situation um where human beings can be where we can respect the dignity of human beings without you know granting them liberty yeah and so I, and so we've got to like so that matters that's not like a yeah. small thing that's like a an important thing but i think that's actually links all the way back to your um your first class with emily because the kind of concerns that would have led a young person to read seriously marx and think about the nature of the human condition and freedom are the same things that don was linking into he just had a different that's what made don so fascinating was is that he understood uh, and, and Pacheco used to say this all the time because, again, I came from uh, the fee kind of world, you know, coming from Grove City College. And I used to talk all the time to Pacheco about the freedom philosophy. I said, look, you don't understand the freedom philosophy. <laughs> he used to say, say, no, I understand the freedom philosophy. Karl Marx has a freedom philosophy too. So do you understand what they're arguing or whatever? And that was – that that – ability to understand that and therefore that you have to engage in a serious conversation with people about and adjudicate fundamental questions about freedom and the nature of the human condition is, is, is significant, I think. Um, it's also, I think, fascinating the way you uh, uh, talk about Don and his relationship to economics because um, uh, my experience, I went to graduate school from 84 to 88, and then I was gone for a decade, and then you went to graduate school 1998 going forward, and so it's a decade in between the Don that you're having as a teacher. And so the Don that I had a teacher was an economist who had said what he wanted to say about economics in rivalry and central planning, and understood, like Hayek understood in the counter-revolution, that there's something wrong with the way that we do economics or we talk about economics uh, that doesn't allow people to understand the point that they're trying to make in the calculation debate. And so that forces you to have to continue to look at these other things. One of them is philosophy of science, but the other one is also institutions and other kinds of things, all of which done and, and, the next decade, you know, I'm on my own journey of what I'm trying to do, but Don is on his own journey as well as an educator, as a scholar, and he's looking at these different things. Um, and, and so there's a continuity, but there's also different points of emphasis. So by the time, you know, you show up at Mason, Don is actually um, not in the economics department anymore. He's now in the School of Public Policy and also in Cultural Studies. Um, because he saw the, the interlocutors of that differently. So I want to ask you a question about CSMP, the Center for Study of Market Process, and its evolution to Mercatus, um, just as an educational idea, which is that, so, but you didn't go into, the, into the, the School of Public Policy for your PhD, though. You went in the economics route. So in a very strange sense, what you do is... is uh, um, you're, you're pursuing a kind of educational path very similar to my educational path. But at the same time, Don and Jack, and you work with Don and Jack, Jack Hyde this is, yeah. um, but they're not in econ anymore. And so you're having to figure out this kind of unique way in which to have a very similar Center for Study of Market Processes education that I had and experience that I had, but also different because you're adjudicating between your duties at the center, which is now the Mercatus Center, um, and your duties with intellectually with PSOL and, and what they're doing there. You know, how did you see the challenges with that and the benefits maybe of that in a, in, in a, in a strange way? Yeah, and so it was interesting the world I, I came into because I'm not sure I understood all of that before um, no, I show it up, right? Like I think when I show oh, wait, it up, neither did I, and I yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, and so I, you know, I, you know, 
My undergraduate teacher, Emily Chamley Wright, had gotten her PhD in economics from George Mason University, studying with Don Lavoie. Don yeah. Lavoie was at George Mason University that same, you know, so I think that's what I, I maybe understood. And that my, um, the Center for Study of Market Processes had become this, or was becoming this other thing. And so it made sense that the, that would be the kind of place that I would want to be affiliated with and hope to get funding from and, um, and all that. And so that, that was, I think that's what I, um, understood. And I got here, um, and I think the, one of the, I think it was very clear that, Hey, I want to study with Don. And at the time you were sort of running the, the, the fellowship and, we came up with a kind of mixed arrangement, right? <laughs> Which was, okay, you can spend, you can be Don's RA, even though technically his relationship with the center is different than it would have been before, but you sort of owe some time to, to Mercatus, right? And, 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 and at the time, like Mercatus then and Mercatus now are such different yeah. Um, animals, right? The, the there, was one, it was, there was growing pain. There was growing pain. And it was sort of figuring out its identity and it was it was sort of learning what it what it was. And and so at the time it was um you know it was you know it sort of begun entering into this 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 sort of policy space and so had a policy apparatus and that policy apparatus um it didn't sort of make sense in some sense as a, as a, as it's, it's involvement in sort of graduate PhD student training didn't make sense. Um, and we fixed that now and stuff like that. We can talk about that maybe later, but that was sort of, and so it was, you know, so I can remember showing up um, there and in the initial conversations, it being sort of really unclear what, if anything, I could do a value um, for, <laughs> um, you know, for, for, for that, that wing. And so, like, I managed, like, I'd been a, I'd been a, um, you know, software developer in, like, a previous life and had sort of done that, what have you, it, it, you know. And so I made a proposition. And I said, look, you're about to, you know, spend a bunch of money to hire a consultant to develop the software. Um, I'll do that. And yeah. that'll free me from my, like, if I do that, then, we, and, yeah. and so that, and so that was, a, and so I spent most of my, so I did that. And it was, it was a, turns out it was a very easy thing for me to do, given my, my background and experiences. And I spent the bulk of my time um, oh, sort of working with Don. Uh, and so it wasn't, and so I didn't, I, like, I know I have, I have fellow graduate students at the time who would have different sorts of impressions, but that was like, mine was very, we had a very, um, yeah. my, the face of the Makeda Center that I saw most of the time was, would be you as the person who was overseeing the, um, the, the graduate, um, the, you know, the PhD fellowship and that, that you and I think you built it very purposely with that kind of, you know, center for study market process experience yeah. in mind. And so that was, that was the, um, you know, so in addition to the, the meetings groups and stuff like that, that I was doing with Don as a part of his sort of, you know, sort of just the way he, he did scholarship. Um, the, there were all, there were also the interactions that you were, um, you know, cultivating with the graduate students at the time and the things that you had us reading outside of class um, and the, you know, the, the things you were pushing us to do outside of class. I do think that it's very fascinating to me. You know, pivotal people matter at pivotal times. Uh, I've become more and more convinced of that. Um, and, uh and so, you know, trajectories would be radically different if different people were in different roles at particular times. And I think that the, the, the center's evolution, which is, a, you know, like any organization, it has, you know, fits and it's not a smooth, inevitable transition from where it was to where it is. 
Um, but it matters how it evolved. And again, you know, think about how uh, the continuity of having someone like Tyler Cowen, you know, there as a student when it first moved from Rutgers to then, you know, its transition. So he understood things about it, which are kind of fascinating. And that matters. And I think you being able to have this experience with Don um, matters a lot. Whereas uh, Jack, who was so integral to the center that I was part of, and Karen Vaughn and, and, and you know, variety of people that were there in the 1980s, Victor Vanberg and Tom DiLorenzo. And a lot of those people had gone or, or were disappeared by the time I returned. And it was like, you know, hard to negotiate, like, you know, and so, you know, Jack in particular is a, a very, you know, uh, uh, significant, um, you know, issue with me because I was, I, I got along well with him. And so as soon as I came back, I tried to integrate him into everything. But yet there was like, he wanted to have this distance, you know, and so it was like strange for me. But then I ended up by doing stuff you know, with him over in the, in the public policy school, you know, I'd be on dissertations and whatnot, but having him come back over. So it's fascinating. But um, I want to ask you a question about your own skill set, because I think that that's one of the things that really is quite fascinating as well. You mentioned already your ability to do computer science, uh, you know, which is significant. And that dem that was revealed very early on in your in your graduate careers that you had uh, basically, especially for George Mason, you had uh, the skills that were required to do maybe formal theory. And, you know, and, and, and yet your attention was drawn to this more interpretive approaches of economics and broader, as you mentioned it here. Yet at the same time, you're in an economics department and even economics department like GMU still gives you all the stars for being formally good, especially at a school like GMU. Because if you stand out as someone who has those formal skills, everyone's like, oh my God, you have those formal skills, you know, don't be a fool and, you know, give it up like the way that the profession can go. And yet, you know, so at one time you, you have the people who view themselves as theorists rewarding you and, and encouraging you. And at the same time, you have this, this draw, this intellectual, this scholar, this almost like a, like mythical figure scholar, because he's no longer in the economics department. But yet, you know, if you would have talked to me or if you talked to your old teacher or whatever, it's like, who do you listen to that's at George Mason? It's like, that guy, that's the guy to listen to. And, and, and by the way, think about how weird that is, because you have a Nobel Prize winner floating around. You have a distinguished fellow of the AEA floating around. And, you know, instead, people are saying, yeah, 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 yeah they're good. But this guy over here, you know, the, uh, you know, the guy that wears, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a piano, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, a scarf, you know, <laughs> and walks around with sneakers and a t-shirt and a, and a suit jacket. That's the guy you got to listen to. Um, so he's got this mythical and you're, and he's completely the opposite, even though he himself also shared. That's why I laugh when you mentioned computer science, because Don himself was a computer science engineer, did that and everything like that. So um, how did you, like adjudicate those kind of things in your head because again all the rewards are for you to use your skills to stand out yeah against your peers yeah and so like yeah and i did i mean so i did um uh yeah because i did like you know as you, you mentioned or, or hinted at like did sort of really well in the first year sequence Right, and so I like got the highest grade in the econ math class and stuff like that. And so, um, and I think, but one of the things that that I think there were two things that that sort of stopped me from going that that path. Um, one was because I um, understood, um, and sort of had that background in math, and, and sort of understood it. I was acutely aware of its limits to answer the questions that I was concerned about. 
And so it was, it was sort of like, I knew that this wasn't going to be, I understood it enough to not um, think of it as um, some sort of golden key to unlock whatever. I thought I got that it had real limits and particularly by that time I was pretty, you know, I was very interested in cult, you know, questions of, of culture and economy. I got why that couldn't um, and wouldn't be able to address um, that kind of, that, that kind of question. And so that was, and so it was already like, okay, that's not gonna, um, that's not gonna, you know, that's not gonna work. But, um, and I think the second, um, uh, thing was, is that, you know, I mean, we can say it, it's, it's hard for people who sort of aren't his students, I guess, maybe certainly hard for people who haven't met him to get the kind of gravitational pull that um, Don had. But you got, I mean, you really, you know, that was where, that was who I wanted to talk to. In some sense, that's still who I want to talk to. Right. The, the, there's a lot of ways that the books that I'm writing now um, are still very much conversations that I'm having with Don at a lot of levels. And so it wasn't. And so uh, and so I think that was it, too. It was the, it, it's thing. And I, I mean, you write about the, the pressure that, that you one of the, the, the cruel things that you did to us as graduate students um, <laughs> was that at the end of our second year, you decided that what you would have is you would have the students in the PhD fellowship that were funded by Mercatus give <laughs> job market style presentations to the economics faculty. Yeah. And so these are students by and large that are Austrian leaning, Austrian types, giving presentations to a faculty that maybe, you know, isn't, that's not the majority of the, of the faculty, certainly not at the time. Um, and there was, you know, some real skepticism and hostility. And so, you know, I give up there, I get up there and I give a talk on, and I, I was in the first talk of the day, I won't say who was, but the first talk of the day did not go well. Right? The, 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 the sort of pushback from the audience was harsh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was sort of like really devastating. And so I'm not the first talk of the day, and I said, go after that. And, and I, uh, you know, I'm giving a talk on how culture should reframe the way, like a Kuznarian approach to entrepreneurship, and I'm using folklore and, um, you know, these sort of cultural weeds of, to, like, make the story. Um, and I managed to, like, pull it off, right? Like, I sort of give the talk, and, and the, I get back good questions, and, and what have you. I think part of what um, was helpful in that regard is that m the faculty in that room who were maybe prone to be the most skeptical knew me from their classes, um, their classes and so they were, well, he's, you know, he, he, he you know, and so they, they sort of gave it a pass. But after that, um, I got, it was a kind of, it wasn't an all at once intervention, but it was like almost a, a series of interventions. So multiple faculty now, some of whom are my colleagues now, sort of came to me and went, okay, so you clearly have skills. Yeah. So <laughs> the, 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 why would you yeah. possibly throw away your career to do this? Yeah. Like, this is, a, this is a mistake. Like, you really shouldn't be doing this stuff. Like, you really should be doing, you know, serious economics, um, not this, this kind of thing. Um, and so I, and I think that, Ironically, um, that, um, you know, made me, made it less, you know, it sort of even made it less attractive to go that route. Cause yeah. it sort of made me feel like, well, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe I'm. Right. Um, yeah, they, they didn't do it on intellectual grounds. They did it on purely pragmatic yeah. careerist grounds. Yeah. I think that's fascinating actually. Mm -hmm. So that, by the way, that was an experiment that failed and we haven't done it since. <laughs> so it was a it was an idea that was inspired but <laughs> failed miserably and and I do remember that specific thing of you know the fact that you were able to do that dance quite well and whereas others were not able to do that but 
that also is borne out later on. I think that that might have been the, one of the first um, pieces of evidence to start me thinking that there was something um, different from my working hypothesis, which is that, um, and this is not meant to sound cocky, but uh, during a period of time when I first came out of graduate school, I would say between 1988 and 1994, I was pretty convinced that I could give a talk anywhere and everyone would be excited about what I had to say. And I got invited to all the universities up and down the East Coast, up and down the West Coast, and I gave my talks and I was able to do all of that stuff and everything like that. And I thought if I could do it, anyone could do it and they could survive those kind of audiences. So you better start training right away. And it turns out that, you know, I had a, an exogenous shock on my side, which was that communism was collapsing. And so everyone was concerned about what was going on with that. Um, and so that aided in my case. But it's also the case that very few people can actually do that kind of dance, present an interpretive program to a formalist audience and still have them not reject you. But I also want to say something to you that I think is, is, uh, gets missed a lot of times which is uh, that, um, so here's the Don Lavoy that I knew, again, given that he was a computer scientist. I'm in my first year of graduate school, okay? What am I asked by Don to like pay attention to during my first year of graduate school? I'm studying math, econ, econometrics, uh, you know, micro one, micro two. Micro two is a general equilibrium class at that time. Don tells me, read Morris Klein. The loss, mathematics and the loss of certainty. Uh, read Herbert Dreyfus, what computers can't do. Uh, read, uh, you know, Godel Escher Bach by, you know, Hofstetter, right? And then, so I'm in the middle of reading this stuff and I'm learning about computational arguments, you know, the Godel's theorem and all these things, computable ideas. And so to me, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and again, I'm shocked by that economics is being presented in in what actually would be not formalistic enough <laughs> you know like if you really wanted to go formalism you would go in a whole other and so it's like you know okay i can learn this i can learn this language this is sort of and don don's the reason for that my undergraduate teacher you know never would have steered me in that direction at all it would have been just full suspicion about what's going on. Whereas Don, even though he was suspicious, he wanted to give you the tools so that you could engage in a sophisticated conversation about the kind of ideas that are going on. And, and that's so different, I think, than other people within the Austrian community about the way they think about the relationship to formalism. Uh, I mean, I, I, to this day, I, 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 I'll never forget, you know, sitting down and going through Dreyfus's What Computers Can't Do and just being, like, blown away. And then from that, then reading, you know, about the Chinese language test, you know, all these other kinds of things that were involved in debates that we're still having to this day. And I was being introduced to those by Don, you know, in the, in the, in the early 80s, basically. So it's pretty amazing what he did as a teacher to prepare you to have a conversation in a in a non you know rigid way with the people that were your uh, your teachers. And I do think going back to your your experience, this might be Don's weakness. Maybe maybe it's not. But uh, Don never talked about how to have a career. <laughs> never that was never what he talked about it was purely the truth seeking you know every time you talked to him it was there was not anything about uh oh i gotta say this in order to you know uh be able to communicate with these people or whatever for jobs it was like you have to communicate with these people to advance truth right that was that was it so it was there was a kind of romanticism uh that he had that was very attractive as well i think it was critical of the talk he was the only person after that talk that was critical of it. Yeah. He thought that I pulled too many punches. He said, well, yeah. you, you didn't say, like, you believe X and you didn't say X. Yeah. And so 
Yeah. <laughs> well, he used to accuse me of, of having an economistic streak. Yeah. And so I remember one time he, he, he told me, could I come back and give another talk and less economistic this time? And I was like, I was like, busting up. I was like, Don, all I said was an incentives matter. And he'd say, yeah, that, that's right. And, you know, so he was like, uh, you know, kind of critical of that. It's, it's, it's interesting. Have you, as a mentor yourself, um, how do you how do you talk to to students that you've interacted with about this issue of of career uh, truth seeking uh, modes of expression and, and discussion with people? I mean, do you have a do you have a strategy that you've worked out in your head? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and so, like, so I I think I begin. Um, I begin where Don began too, which is to say, there's 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 no point in writing a paper on some a something you're not interested in, and b articulating something that you don't you yourself don't find convincing, compelling, what have you, right? And so, and so the game is a truth game, and and the game is to be a a a a good. Um, dialogical partner. Now, if you're doing something different than standard, yeah. then you've got to, that puts a, burden. The, the burden of proof is on you to, to overshoot the standard. Yeah. And so it would be much easier to write, you know, whatever thing in a standard way or to, to picture standard questions and, and go ahead with that. And that'll, that'll give you a certain kind of um, success and, and and what have you, um, but uh, if you're gonna a pursue truth, b you're attracted to this approach, then c you've got to do it better. You just got to be better. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to realize that for any journal that you get in, um, your paper is going to be held to a higher standard than papers written in that same journal in standard ways. Yeah. And you just got to live with that. And that that's, if you're prepared to do that, that actually has advantages on the back end, yeah. which is that if you do get a hearing, then people come away impressed with your work. Yeah. Because then they say, oh, I, you know, like you, you might not get a hearing everywhere. But if you do get a hearing, then people come away and they say, um, this is, oh, okay. I, I, I see what this person's done here, that they've managed to meet this, this task in a, serious legitimate straight you know way yeah um i want to i want to make a comment and then and then i actually want to pick up on a, a subject that's a little bit sensitive actually um but i think it's important because of of uh of uh, again pivotal people mattering at pivotal times but the one of them uh the first one is is that you remind me so much of don uh, in our interactions, uh, because when uh, I remember like several years ago, again, another experiment that I wanted to do was to have everyone do a deep dive in philosophy of science, again, influenced by Don, but I'm going to pick different people this time and decide to focus on Willard Quine and, you know, the two dogmas of empiricism. So, you know, I'm all excited about, you know, the reading it. And I have my own reading, which is that, He's critical of everyone else, but then he gives me space for my own position, right? Which is how I want to read him. But that requires that you don't read the second half of the essay. Because <laughs> if you read the second half of the essay, then my position gets wiped out as well. So I'm aware of that, but I don't ever emphasize that because, you know, who the hell wants their own position to be wiped away? And so I'm giving this talk and getting all excited about everything like that. And then you, in just this very understated way, say, but if we read the second part of the essay and I'm like, this is just like well, why? He, he, I can't even cheat, you know, when, when it's in my advantage, you know, and, and as an old sports person, I grew up on the idea. If you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. So I was, I was devastated. Whatever, what has enabled you to constantly keep that so that even then when the, if you put the, the thumb on the scale, in the way that would go in your advantage, you still find a way to resist putting the thumb on the scale. 
so I think it comes back to what's for me, it comes back to what's at stake. Right. And so, um, if, if we win, you know, so like this, put it back to the conversation about liberty. If we, if we win that argument, right. And, and you sort of, we, we, we managed to convince people, um, that, um, you know, freedom is an essential uh, condition for a flourishing human being, right? So we managed to convince people of that. Um, but we, we do it in a way where it's, you know, so we get to that, we get to that conclusion in a way that, that that's not, um, that has weaknesses that we ourselves are aware of in the back of our minds. Right. Those weaknesses are going to be exposed and the thing that we sort of were arguing for is going to fail. Right. And so because it's so important that it's to me, at least the notion is, well, that argument is so important that I want to win that argument. Um, with yeah with all the bad, like with all, with, you know, with, without me cheating to get me taking on maybe more burdens yeah. than I can, because if I win that argument, then, um, you know, then uh, it might have a solid foundation. And so like one of the things, so like you say, like, so like one of the things I, I try to do, this is like sort of in a different light, but it's, it's sort of illustrative of a point as a manager. The, my goal as a manager is to have, to set up a condition where all of my, and this is the thing you emphasize too, where all of my um, supervisees thrive in such a way, and not just such a way internally, but thrive in such a way where their CVs are sufficiently robust that they can walk out the door at any moment. Yeah. That, that at any time they think we're not living up to our ideals or we're not doing what we should be doing or that we're not, um, you know, we're sort of falling short or we're not, um, you know, rewarding them in the way that they deserve or that they aren't being respected. They could say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. And they would have, they would have built up a portfolio and built up a CV that gets them sort of better gigs and yet they still stay. Yeah. Right. And so that's the way I sort of think about the arguments too, is that, okay, like I want to set it up where, you know, yeah. I, I, I love that, actually. So you don't have anything tainted like Lance Armstrong when the stakes are so high. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. Thank you for listening to the Hayek Program podcast. To learn more about the research, scholars, and work of the Hayek Program, visit hayek.mercatus.org. For more information about graduate student fellowship opportunities for students at Mason as well as at universities across the globe, please visit students.mercatus.org. We hope you recommend students to our programs or consider applying yourself.